Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. Do you guys realize that you are probably the best looking group of people I've ever seen in my life? I'm just throwing that out. Some of y'all are like, yeah, we are actually. I'm pretty excited about it. Hey, listen, I'm pretty stoked to be here with you today. For those of you that are new, my name is Carrie. I'm one of the pastors here at the Movement Church. And man, I just, I got to tell you, I love being a part of the service when we just go for it with worship. And I don't know if you love to be a part of a worship journey like this or not, but once a month we do a service specifically targeted to focusing in on worship. We call it Movement nights. It's the second Sunday of the month, and it's tonight, 5 p.m. in this room. I'm telling you, you don't want to miss it. Sunday mornings, we focus in on the purpose of God. At movement night, we focus in on the presence of God, and it's where we also take communion as a family, and, and it's probably one of our favorite services of the month. One thing that's happening tonight that's extremely special is we're also going to be doing baptisms. And I, it's one of my favorite things to be a part of. It's not a rite of passage. It's not membership to the church. It's people making an outward declaration of an inward transformation. And if you're here and you maybe are following Jesus or you've made a decision like that and you've not been baptized, well, man, I want to challenge you. Come on out tonight. We've got everything you need. You can stop by our VIP tent on your way out today. Let us know. We'll have a space for you. And Come make that declaration. We want to celebrate with you. Maybe you're here and you've been baptized before, but God's been doing new things. I think there's something about the waters of baptism that is like a fresh start for everybody. So come on out tonight at 5 p.m. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be awesome. Everybody say, okay. Everybody say, hey. Making sure you're awake. And you also know we are five weeks away from Christmas. Come on, somebody. Three of you love Christmas. The rest of you are the Grinch. We're praying for you right now. But at the Movie Church, we love Christmas, man. We love to celebrate holidays and especially Christmas. And, man, we've got something planned every Sunday, a little something extra, a little something, something. Everybody say something, something. A little something, something extra every Sunday after or between every service. Uh, you want to bring your friends and your family. Do not come alone. And we kick it off on December 1st with our ugly Christmas sweater Sunday. And I'm telling you, everyone, if you are that guy or that girl that does not show up with an ugly Christmas sweater, you're going to feel like you're on the outs because everyone shows up. Our entire worship team will be donning ugly sweaters. Some people get extremely creative. One guy actually put a Christmas tree with the pictures of our pastors and my face was the star on the tree. Come on, amen. He won the competition that year. And uh, no, you make sure you show up. It's gonna be awesome. Bring your ugly Christmas sweater December 1st. We, we'll have Santa one Sunday because I know him and it's pretty rad and you don't wanna miss it. So bring your family and friends. But also what I'm really excited about is we have five Christmas Eve service experiences for you to choose from this year. It's just become one of the, the, the biggest things that we do. People show up from all over. So we'll have two services on Monday the 23rd and three services on Monday, Tuesday the 24th. There'll be 45 minutes there for the family, for elementary and up. We'll do candlelight and some Christmas carols. It's it's a lot of fun. So make plans to make the Movement Church your home this season. Is that cool? Everybody say, yeah. Now, all the men say, yeah. Oh. All the ladies say, yeah. 
All right, there they are. Okay, good. Y'all awake this morning. And by the way, I apologize about our lighting. The, the school is undergoing some, some workings right now, and the house lights are out. And, but we're just a, a, so grateful to be able to partner with this school and to be able to invest back in. So we're trying to help them get there. They had a dimmer pack go out, so it's a little bit dark, but that's not the normal stuff for us. Normally, I can see your beautiful faces. Today, I have to assume your faces are beautiful. Uh, nudge your neighbor, say he's talking to you. But I, I want to pray and, and dive into this service and, and really want to dive into the message. I, I'm excited about what I want to share with you today. In fact, I've been praying for and gearing up towards what, what God's wanting to do. It really is kind of like the, the, the bare bones of who we are as a church. And, and here's the cool part, regardless of where you're, you're coming from or what your faith background is or what it is that you believe, I believe God's weaving you into the fabric of it. So here's what I would ask. I would ask that you not just kind of check the church box on your list of to-dos today. I, I would ask that you actually lean into what God wants to say. I believe that he's here and anything can happen. I think he wants to do the miraculous. And it's okay if you don't believe that. Let me believe that for you. I think he wants to do the miraculous in our lives. It's the reason that you're here. So I would just ask, here's one thing, for the remaining 25 minutes that we have together, and I'm going to knock it out of the park, would you just open your hearts? You don't have to believe everything I say. In fact, permission to belong before you believe. You don't even have to agree with everything I say. But would you open your hearts and your ears to the possibility of what God can and wants to do? Can we do that? Let me pray for us. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, we just thank you that you're here, that you're doing something miraculous. God, for those of us that are in the room today, those that are in the family room watching on screen, those that are listening online, I just pray, God, that as we open our hearts and our ears to what it is that you want to say and do, I just pray, God, that you would do the miraculous. We don't want to experience just more of the mundane and the mediocre and the same. And yeah, we want to experience the fullness of who you are and everything that you have for us. And help the Cowboys to win tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said... Oh, gosh. Okay, let's try that again. And everybody said, one more time, and everybody said, that just means I agree at the Movement Church. It's okay if you talk back. Give me a little what, what, a little amen. It helps me know you're listening. I can't see it today. If I tell a joke, whether it's funny or not, just laugh. It helps me know that I'm preaching all right. But I want to dive in, like right off the cuff. And I've got a few thoughts to share with you throughout the course of the journey today. And I'm going to start in the first book of the Bible, which is Genesis. And actually, by the end of today, I'm going to conclude with the book of Revelation. And I promise for those of you that, that know what kind of span we're crossing here, it's only going to be a few moments. For those of you that don't know, it doesn't even matter. But I just want to dive in with my first thought for you. And I would encourage you to be taking notes. But that is this, that God created humanity for relationships. So God created us for relationship. God created created light and darkness and he separated them day and night and he created the ocean and the land which separated it and he created the the majesties of the mountaintops and trees and the vegetation and lakes and desert and he created living creatures and animals to to walk the face of the earth and birds to soar through the air and creatures to inhabit the waters and he did all of this in a span of time and he poured his heart and his soul into it, but even with the creation of every living thing, he stepped back and said, I'm not finished yet. 
There's more to be created. There's more to do. And in Genesis chapter 1, 26, we read that then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So he looks around the spans of the, the earth and he says, man, this is amazing, but I'm missing something. And he bends down into the dust and he forms humanity and breathes life into humanity, and he did so because he wanted a relationship with us. Not just to be a spectator of what is happening in our life, but because he desperately wants relationship with humanity. And and Genesis tells us that God would walk with Adam during the cool of the day in the Garden of Eden, which was probably just like Orange County, according to my calculations. And, and he would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day uh, because he longed for that communion with Adam and with Eve. And, and not only did God create us for relationship with him, God created us for relationship with each other. You see, he gave Adam dominion over the earth. And then he looked, and in Genesis 2.18, we read that God said... It is not good that man should be alone. You see, we need God and we need people in our lives. And you get this because the greatest moments of your life, I don't even have to know every single person in this room, but I know beyond the shadow of a doubt that every single one of you, the greatest moments of your life are directly attached to the people in your life. We need people. God said, look, you've got me, and you've got each other. You live in Orange County, a.k.a. Paradise. Now listen, there's this one tree in the middle of the garden, and you don't need to eat the fruit of this tree, but everything else is yours. You don't want what's in this tree, and we as humanity said, no, I think we do want that. I think we do want that, and we ate of the forbidden fruit, and then a trend, or we started a trend which followed humanity for millennia, and that is my next thought for you, that the human condition runs from God. The human condition runs from God. We're constantly choosing our own way. We're constantly choosing to do what we want over what God wants. Adam and Eve had everything they could possibly need. They had everything they could possibly need, and it still wasn't enough. And look at humanity's first response. We ran. We ran so far away. In Genesis, that's a biblical. Genesis 3, verse 8, it says, And they heard, Adam and Eve, they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. And we've been running ever since. We can read throughout scripture and watch throughout humanity's history. And we, we read of a man named Gideon, a, a would-be, should-be, could-be, probably will become warrior, a, a biblical figure. And he's found hiding in a basement, in a wheat press, hiding from his purpose. We hear the story of Jonah. And even if you're not, new, you're not familiar with the story or all the stories in the Bible, you probably know the story of Jonah and the whale. And God speaks to Jonah, gives him a purpose purpose and a destiny and Jonah runs in the opposite direction jumps on a boat sailing away from God's destiny on his life in Jesus most pivotal moment of his life when he stood on trial for his life 
one of his closest friends named Peter, who should have been there in and through everything, stood outside the courtyard and denied Jesus, denied even knowing him. We see it all throughout scripture and all throughout history that we run from God. Now listen, that doesn't mean that every single choice that you or I make is contrary to God's heart for me. It doesn't mean that every choice I make is contrary to God's heart for me. But listen, you and I must accept and realize that my, my proclivity, your proclivity, our inclination, our slide is in the opposite direction of God's heart for me. That's our natural tendency. And so if you're here and, and, and you've said yes to following Jesus, you and I must realize that our, our, our tendency is to run the opposite direction. And usually it starts by when I, I stop following him. And when I stop following him, I start following someone. And most of us in this room, we choose to follow our own desires. The things that we want most even if it means we want something that God said we don't even need. And I start following myself. And here's what you should know. When you follow your own desires, two things are sure to follow. Inevitably, two things will follow. When you start to follow your own desires, pain and shame will be on the heels. And when pain and shame surface, we run. We run. We run from God, we run from his purpose on our life, we run from his heart for us. But you need to know this, and if you hear nothing else from today, this thought for you is probably the most significant thought you can hear, and that is that the heart of God is a heart of grace. The heart of God is a heart of grace. You see, he sees us running. And contrary to what our response would be, he runs after us. So he sees us running from him and he runs after us. You and I would never respond that way. In any relationship that we're in, if we experience betrayal or rejection or abandonment, our inclination is to run in the opposite direction. But God sees that same reaction from us and he chooses to run after us. That's the heart of God. Why? Because God created us for relationship. And his goal is to reestablish the relationship with us. The problem is there's been a severance. God created us for the relationship, but we chose what he said was evil. And now there's a separation. And we would try to earn back God's love, but we can't earn it back. But we desperately need a savior. In fact, Romans 3.23 says that all of us have sinned and are in need of the glory of God, which means all of us don't deserve it. We don't deserve the gift of his grace. And some of you in this room would hear that scripture and go, I know, I get it. I know the decisions that I've made and, and the way that I think and the way that I view life. And you're right. I don't deserve the grace of God. And you might even sit in a room like this and, and be able to see someone else and go, but I, I think they deserve the grace of God or she deserves the grace of God or he deserves the grace of God. They seem to have everything in order because we would place our deservedness of God's grace upon our actions and behavior. But Romans 3.10 goes on and says, it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. 
So I don't deserve God's grace, nor do you, nor does he, nor does she, and it gets even worse. Isn't this an encouraging message today? It gets even worse. God's saying, hey, I I said, just leave this alone. You don't want it, but you said you did want it, and sin entered in Romans 3, 23, says the wages, the payment, the ransom for sin in your life is death. Encouragement. Be encouraged. And some of you would hear that and go, there it is. That's what I've been waiting for. That God is going to point at me with the finger of shame and rejection and abandonment and condemnation. And that would seem to be the end of the story if we stop reading the scripture there. But Romans 3.23 goes on and says, for surely the wages of sin is death, but, and that's a big but. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got a big but. Don't do that. I'm kidding. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. The heart of God is a heart of grace. You see, God looked at the human condition, desperate to restore us back to relationship, and also saw the wages and the payment of sin is death. Something has to die for that. And he said, well, I've got a plan. I'll send my son Jesus to take on the burden, the shame, the payment of sin for all of humanity. This is my gift of grace. But here's the kicker. Jesus came and he died, but you and I have to choose. God never, look him in the eyes, he never forces himself on us. Humanity would think differently, but we've, God has never forced himself. All the things of God are based upon, here's what I have for you, you choose what you want. Ephesians 2.8 is a scripture you should have memorized and, and know it, and it says this, that God saved us. In other words, he sent Jesus for us so that by grace you can receive it if you believe. If you Believe, not based upon your heritage, not based upon how many Sundays you attend. If you're on the dream team or if you're part of the setup and teardown team, it doesn't matter who your dad or your mom is. It doesn't matter the length of your rap sheet. It doesn't matter how bad you've been in the past. It's just a fact if you would simply believe, if it was forced on us, then it would not be love or grace. It's a gift and we have to choose. There's a reason that we no longer do arranged marriages. They just don't work. You can't force someone into love. It has to be a choice. God created us for relationship. Our condition typically is to run. He said, but wait, I want to restore. You just simply have to choose. And here's the scary part. It's a free gift and it's your choice, but you can choose him and yet not live for him. Now, I don't know what your theology is, and you don't have to line up with me, and you don't have to agree. We can debate about this in heaven if you make it, but listen... Man, y'all are a tough crowd today, just throwing that out there. I don't believe you can lose your salvation. I believe if you have a moment where you say yes to Jesus, he gives you the gift of grace that no one can take away. And you can say yes to Jesus and then live like hell for the rest of your life. That's the grace of God. So we can choose him and yet not live for him. And that's what's terrifying. It's a misuse of the grace of God. I know that doesn't settle easy with some of you, and I'm okay with that. I just know how the grace of God works. His grace goes beyond comprehension of human mind. And he said, I'll do anything to restore a relationship with you. We read on in in the scripture, and we 
conclude today with the book of Revelation. And Revelation is definitely uh, responsible for some great movies like Constantine and Terminator. That was the origin of that, just letting you know. And in this book, we have a writer writing to seven different churches. And today, I want to read a passage of scripture from Revelation in chapter 3. And he's writing specifically to a church in Laodicea. And in verses 15 through 17, here's what the writer says to the church in Laodicea. He says, I know all that you do. And I know that you are neither frozen in apathy nor fervent with passion. Oh, how I wish that you were either one or the other. But because you are neither cold nor hot, but lukewarm, I'm about to spit you from my mouth. 17 says, for you claim I am rich and getting richer. I don't need a thing, yet you are clueless that you're miserable, poor, blind, barren, and naked. Not a very encouraging word if you think about it. He's saying, hey, you think you're okay, but you're blind to the truth. Now, what you may or may not know is that Laodicea was known for its extreme wealth. In fact, they had a medical school that was actually known for an eye salve or balm that would bring healing to an eye in need, and which makes it interesting that the writer would say, you might think everything's great, but you're blind to the truth. And they were so wealthy that they had a major earthquake in the land, and Rome tried to send funds to help them out, and Laodicea was like, no, no, we're good. We got this covered. They had so much wealth, they didn't even need help from the government. But another thing that they were known for is the fact that they did not have a local water source. So they built and engineered a six mile long aqueduct which piped water from hot springs six miles outside of the city. Now, this is before electricity and real pumps. So this engineering uh, was amazing, and it was actually quite miraculous. But the challenge was, because the hot springs were six miles outside of the city center, by the time the water reached its destination, it was tepid and distasteful. So when the writer or the author used the imagery of lukewarmness, it hit hard because their water source was nauseating and distasteful. They realized the writer was saying that they had become lukewarm due to self-perceived virtues. They thought that they had arrived at the right conclusion. And that confident self-understanding blinded them to this steady deterioration. You know what lukewarmness is? Lukewarmness is low-grade apathy. Not complete apathy, not, not a disregard for all things in humanity, but just low-grade apathy. Just getting really good at ignoring the things that really matter when it comes to injustice and people in real need. Lukewarmness is low-grade cynicism. Lukewarmness is low-grade immorality. Just kind of Riding the fence, a foot on the side of being holy and righteous and a foot on the side of just kind of doing what I want to do. Just low-grade immorality. The problem is the result is always slow spiritual decay. And even worse, compassion fatigue to the things which matter to God. And you know what compassion fatigue is, right? 
People in the medical industry struggle with this on a regular basis. Nurses and doctors, especially in ER rooms where they see constant trauma and crisis and the loss of life. And they see it over and over again, day in and day out. And they are it's challenging to deal with this great amount of grief and sorrow and pain and loss. And if they're not careful, they can develop a compassion fatigue where they'll become callous to and build up a wall to the humanity on the other side of the crisis and so it can become uh, numb they can become numb to the actual feelings and spiritual needs of the people that they're called to care for and when we become lukewarm in our spiritual journey compassion fatigue sets in in our life to the things that actually matter to God what's so crazy is God never has and never will have low-grade apathy he always cares greatly for all of humanity, not just Christians. In fact, in a morning like this, this church and other great churches around Orange County and around the world, he's overwhelmed with gratitude and excitement when he sees people like you and me who love Jesus come to a space like this and lift our voices and sing words of praise, just reminding ourselves, you're never going to let me down. You are good. You're good. When we sing songs, oh God, it warms the heart of God. He loves that we sit down to learn the truth of God's word so we can apply it and become the people we're called to be. And he sees all this on a Sunday. It is so overwhelmed with gratitude, yet simultaneously his eye is on the people who are not in this room yet. He never has had low-grade apathy. He always cares greatly for those who are lost. He sent Jesus for one reason, to seek and to save the lost. And I'm afraid that as Christians we lose sight of this when we cross the threshold of becoming believers. The Bible says that he's not slow as some would count it slowness, but he's patient, not willing that anyone would perish, but all would have everlasting life to come to the saving knowledge of who Jesus is. His heart is a heart of grace towards you. And listen, he is on a mission. He's on a mission. It's a mission of reconciliation. It's a mission of restoration. It's a mission of redemption. And God's mission is our mission. God's mission is our mission. In fact, it's the mission of this church. It's the reason we exist. We exist to inspire the one who's far from God to find life in Christ and life in the church. Our hope is that everyone who walks through the doors of this church would have an opportunity to know God, not to know of God, not to know religion, not to know the order of a service, but to have a relationship with Jesus that has a starting point to realize that, man, Jesus laid it all on the line for you. That's why every service we have at the end of the service will give people an opportunity to say yes to him. This is why we exist, that anyone who walks through the doors would have an opportunity to know God. And that's the greatest step of faith that we can take, but it cannot be the last step. Why? Because we can know God, but still have some junk in the trunk. Can I get an amen? Turn to our neighbor and say, you got some junk in the trunk. Oh, two of you. This is good. We got some junk on the inside that we've got to deal with. The Bible's clear. He says, go to God for forgiveness, but we go to people 
for freedom. We learn in rows, but we grow in groups, which means we need people so that we can find freedom and deal with the junk on the inside. At the Movement Church, we would say we're all just a little bit jacked up. Can you do me a favor, even though you don't want to participate with my sermon this much this morning? If you're here and you're a little bit jacked up, would you just raise one hand? If you're really jacked up, would you raise both hands? If you don't have your hands up, you're a liar. We're praying for you. We're a little bit jacked up. So we got to find freedom. But we can't limit it to just finding freedom because then what we'll do is we'll say a prayer and we'll know God and we'll be good and everything's transforming and I'm going to feel comfortable and me, 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 me. I feel good, 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 good. Everything's great. God didn't do that in our world. Give us freedom just so that we can stay good. He created you with a unique purpose. So our heart would be that you would discover purpose the reason that you're here, the uniqueness of why you're here. Why? So that we can make a difference. That's what you're put on this planet to do, to build relationships with God, relationships with people, so we can reach the people who aren't connected to God yet, to make a difference. And this isn't the job of a pastor or the staff of a church. This is a job for you and for me, for all of us. This is God's mission, and it's our mission too. Are you tracking with me this morning? I just recently watched The Lion King, the new version. Anybody seen that one? It's pretty awesome. Disney just literally recreated the same exact movie, same line, same song, just CG. Literally the exact same movie, and they're making billions. Blew my mind, and I loved it. And every time I watch The Lion King, I get to a specific scene, and I'm always inspired by it and reminded about God's heart for us. And it's the scene when Simba, the would-be, should-be, could-be king, the one who was born to the king of the pride land, the one who made some poor choices, and like so many of us, ran from his purpose and his destiny and his calling. And, and now he's on this journey for Hakuna Matata. What a wonderful phrase, right? Hakuna we're not going to sing it. He's on this journey for a no worries, carefree, live for convenience and leisure, eat, drink, and be merry type of life. And in this scene of the movie, we discover that as tr is true in any journey, direction determines destination, and Simba found his carefree life. But my friends, as experience often shows, that carefree life comes at a great cost. That carefree life comes at a great cost for Simba in his search for no worries has lost his sense of identity. He's forgotten who he is. The son of the king, the rightful heir. And then the great guide, that sage Rafiki shows up. And he starts to help Simba and he points him down the journey through the jungle and leads Simba to the water and he looks over and he sees his own reflection but through time he begins to see the reflection of his father and his father leans in in a way that only a dad can and reminds him, Simba, remember who you are. You are a king. You're my son. You're not called just to live a worry-free, carefree life, but you have a purpose and a destiny. And Christian, I want to remind you today to remember who you are. 
Listen, let's not make Christianity about us, about feelings, about behavior modification, about being a good person or responding to God out of shame. And and I'm not even talking to the person in the room that doesn't even know what they believe. I'm talking to those of you that have said yes to Jesus, that have been serving him for weeks, months, years, maybe even decades. The question is, have you forgotten who you are? Have you forgotten what you were created to do? Have you drifted slowly towards apathy, away from a spiritual passion? Have you become lukewarm in your faith? Listen, God created us for relationship with him and with each other. And he runs towards us even when we run away. Why? Because the heart of God is a heart of grace towards us. But we have to choose. We have to choose. But listen to me, Christian. When we choose him and we don't live for him, we become lukewarm and humanity suffers. When we live lukewarm lives, humanity suffers and the mission of God suffers. How powerful that God literally felt that history needed your life right now. History needs you. And when we live a lukewarm life, God's mission suffers. Do you remember who you are? A son or a daughter of the creator of the heavens and earth. Sure, you're a little bit jacked up, but you're saved by grace. You were created for a mission, and the mission is created by God. Not just feeling good, not just checking boxes, but making a difference. It's creating a space on Sunday mornings in a place like this for people who are far from God can come through the doors and experience Him in a way that is not weird. It's investing relationally in a connect group so that we can deal with the junk on the inside. It's discovering my purpose, the intricacies and the details of God's unique design which reveals the intricacy and the uniqueness of God's destiny on my life so that we can reach the down and the outs, the up and the comings, the hurting and the broken, the strong and the secure, the marginalized and the forgotten until all have heard. That is the mission of God and it's our mission. It's our mission. Right now, within 15 to 20 minutes of us are 750,000 people. Within 25 minutes is 2.4 million. Within 30 minutes is 3.2 million people, of which only 10% go to church, which means that only 10% know the hope of who Jesus is. And yet we live a marginalized faith, a lukewarm faith. And people outside the doors of this church are just desperate to know the hope that is found only in Jesus. And God decided that history needs you right now. It's God's mission and it's our mission. It's why we exist as a church. But listen, it's why you exist as a person. How many of you would just be honest? I want to pray for some people today. How many of you would just say, you know what? I needed to be reminded of this this morning. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Awesome. Anyone else? Thanks for being honest. Anyone else? I want to pray for us today. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? God, I just thank you that you're doing something right here in this place, in this space. God, I thank you that you're up to something bigger than we could possibly imagine. Lord, help us, God, to 
to not lose sight or focus of what it is that you want to do in and through our lives, but God, help us to keep our eyes fixed upon you and all that you want to do. Thank you, God, for creating us for relationship, for running after us even when we run away from you. Thank you for giving us the choice, but God, help us. Give us the courage and the faith to choose to follow you every day of our life. In Jesus' mighty and precious name I pray. Amen and amen. Let me take a moment here to talk to those of you in the room that may be struggling in your faith. The first portion of this service was for people who have already decided to follow Jesus, but there are some of you in this room who have never crossed that threshold, and today's your day. And you might say, there's no way. You don't know where I've been, what I've walked through, what I've done. You don't know who I am, and you're, I, you're right, I don't, but God does, and for some reason, he aligned your life to sit in this room today to listen to the words that are coming out of my mouth. And I just want to remind you that even when you don't know it or feel it or sense it, God's heart is a heart of grace towards you. He knows every scenario you've walked through, every pain, every hurt, and he sent Jesus to pay the, pay the ransom for your sin and my sin, for your shame and my shame. And it's a gift. You can't earn it. You don't have to be a member of the church to receive it. You can't get good enough to receive it. You just simply choose Jesus. In a moment, I'm gonna give you a chance to do just that. I'm gonna pray a prayer and I wanna challenge you if you've never prayed the prayer, make it your own. And listen, some of you in this room have been, maybe you prayed a prayer like that, but since then you, you've been running from God. And today is your day to come running back. If that's you, I wanna challenge you to pray that prayer with me today as well. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. Nobody moving. But if you're here in this room or in the family room or listening online and you've never made this decision or it's time to make this decision again for the first time in a long time, why don't you just make these words your own? Just say, dear God, I know that you're real, that you love me. You've given me purpose. I'm not perfect. Would you forgive me? And now just make these statements your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.